Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bible, please, and turn to... Psalm 34, that's where we are today in this series called Living Well. And what we mean by living well is living the kind of life that is in touch with the will of God, living the kind of life that God blesses and where we are a part of what He is doing in the world, living well. And today we're talking about what oftentimes derails that, and that is the sufferings that come in life. Here's the key concept today. God cares about our suffering. God cares about our suffering. An appropriate topic this Memorial Day weekend. Psalm 34 is where we are while you're finding that. Maybe some years ago you remember there was a popular chorus, and Don Moen wrote the chorus... And it it went like this. It was sung all across the nation. The words were, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side with love and strength. For each new day, he will make a way. I remember singing that song many times over the years. But I didn't realize that that song was born in personal tragedy. He tells the story of how it came together, how he was awakened in the middle of the night by a phone call from his mother-in-law. And his mother-in-law on the other end of the line was telling him about a tragic car accident that involved his wife's sister. Her name was Susan. Susan and her husband Craig and their four boys had involved, involved in a car accident that night The oldest of the boys was Jeremy, just age eight. He was ejected from the car, was killed, and all of them were gravely injured. And Don and his wife were grieving over the report of this accident, and he said, it was almost as if the Lord just gave me those words. How can we get through this? God will make a way. And God gave the words of Psalm 34 to King David. It says this, pick up the reading in verse 17. The righteous cry out, the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. David reminds us of God's awareness and his nearness even in times of difficulty. It's important that we recognize that God is always in his providence looking at us through two lenses. There's one lens through which he sees the long-term implications 
the long-term effects of what we're going through. We can't see those long-term effects. We don't understand the implications of what's coming. That's God working in ways we cannot see. And why it's so frustrating when we are at that place of difficulty and we ask the question, why is this happening? Or what good could possibly come of this? It's unanswerable in that moment. Sometimes we see it when we look back when we see the road that God has taken us on. But God sees through the lens of the the, the big picture, but he also sees through the lens of the up close and what he's doing in our lives and, and how he can make a way. And we, to find that way, need to stay close to him. It's the way of difficulty, though. You see, as we talk about suffering, we start with a difficult truth, a difficult reality. Christians suffer. Being a follower of Jesus Christ does not exempt you from difficulty in life. There will be times when life is hard. There will be times when you will suffer loss. You will experience grief if you live long enough on the earth. It is a false version of the faith that tells you otherwise. It is a false version of the faith that tells you that if only you believed a little stronger or maybe tithed a little more, you would escape suffering. Flee that kind of teaching. We live in a broken world. In fact, if you spend some time reading the Bible, you're going to find out that reality of suffering and loss is one of the main themes of Scripture. Adam and Eve lost paradise. Noah lost the world that he knew in the flood. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. The children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. And then they encountered the wilderness wanderings. Read on and you'll read about warfare, captivity, disease, and betrayal and loss. All of that is given to us in a realistic picture of the history of our planet from the Word of God. But here is the big picture teaching you need to take away from that reading. And that is this. All of this is not God's fault. Your suffering is not God's fault. That's where you need to start. Begin in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. It tells us that Humanity came into a world and experienced an initial life where there was no pain, no suffering, and no grief. None of that was part of the original design. So in other words, when you are facing hardship and you sense inside of yourself, this is wrong, this is not the way that it should be, you are right. But Genesis chapter 3 shows us why it is this way today. Because human beings refused to let God be our king. Human beings rejected the ultimate authority of God and rebelled against him in what theologians call the fall and sin entered the human experience. Because we rejected God's authority and sin entered our experience, everything about the world that God created is not operating according to the original design. Sin and its consequence have altered everything. Evil and the consequence that brings about suffering and hardship and death. And it's a brokenness that we all experience and a brokenness that we all inherit. 
So much of what the world looks at and takes for granted as, well, this is just the way it is. And much of how individuals look at themselves and they say, well, this is just the way I am. That is not from God. It is from sin and the result of sin. But the message of the word is there is hope. The word of God promises us a new start, a new heaven and a new earth, an experience back to the original design. But for now, we live in the in-between times. We live in a broken world, and it is the fault of humanity. Now, that truth takes one error that you might fall prey to off the table. And that error is the idea that somehow God owes you an easy life. That is error. If something bad happens, God's not doing his job. Or maybe he doesn't exist at all. When you consider the way that we rebel against him, the question is not, why does God not make my life easy? The question is, given how we violate his standards, why does he grant us happiness at all? And the answer is love. It's not God's fault. But number two, your future is in God's hand. That's the second big picture principle we have to understand. In order to find comfort in suffering and hardship now, you have to remember that you are an eternal being. And that in the future, things are coming that will make it all right. And that is two things specifically. Number one, judgment. And number two, renewal. The evil that has warped the original design is not right and it will be judged. And it will be judged by the only possible judge, and that is the God who is outside creation, who created all that is. He tells us he cares about justice and that a judgment is coming. John foresees it in Revelation chapter 14. In his vision, he says, he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made heavens and earth and sea and the springs of the water. The psalmist writes in Psalm 1, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The fact of coming judgment tells us that God is aware of the brokenness. It tells us that He cares about justice, that He's able to judge. Therefore, we must not. Therefore, we are not to take vengeance or retribution inside the current system. It keeps us from inflicting more pain on those who are already suffering. But I want you to understand that the real hope lies on the other side of the judgment. In the future that is coming, in eternity, the design of God bringing all that is back to His original intention. And that's where you will spend forever if you know Him. One author puts it this way. This present age, the age of evil, will eventually be remembered as the brief flicker at the beginning of human history. That's where you are right now. This is the beginning of forever. I like to remind you, this is the shortest part of your life. If you know Jesus, you're going to live forever in glory, in the new heavens, in the new earth. Christ followers will inhabit that with resurrected bodies. 
And it's going to be a restoration of God's intention and it's coming. Paul, Romans 8 says this, I consider our present sufferings not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Everything is looking forward to this restoration. This is bedrock for believers as you live in a fallen world. You can't blame God and he has a blessed future in mind for you. But there's even more. God suffers. This is the way we gain access to that future. Because God himself suffered. If God had shunned all suffering that comes as a result of our sin, you would never be able to escape the consequence of sin. But we can because God the Son came to our world in Jesus of Nazareth and he took on our guilt and he suffered in our place. And since he suffered in our place as our substitution, we can be made right with God. He was wounded so that our wounds that are self-inflicted can be healed because he loves us. God can't be blamed And he is the wonderful source of hope. And I want you to understand that God is just as upset about suffering and sickness and death as you are. He's just as upset when he sees this. These are the enemies of God. And he will deal with those enemies. The last enemy to be defeated is death. I think of the story of Jesus at the grave of Lazarus Lazarus in John chapter 11. You know the story, Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, has died. And Jesus comes and he stands in front of that grave. And John tells us that as he stood there and the mourners gathered around him, the family came near to him, that Jesus wept. He stood there crying. He's crying even though he knows he's about to bring Lazarus back from the dead. Jesus is clear. He's already talked to the Father about this. And he knows that he is going to raise Lazarus. And in a moment, Lazarus is going to walk out of that grave. And he stands there and he weeps. That is not... That's that's incongruous. Why does he weep knowing he's going to solve the problem? I would think that Jesus would be saying something like, Get ready. Watch this. Gather around. But he doesn't do that. He weeps. And he weeps because in that moment, everything in that scene he knows is the enemy. Everything in that scene is against the will of God. The sadness of the family, the misery of the friends, the dying of Lazarus. In fact, the fact that Lazarus got sick at all. All of this is evidence to Jesus that the design is broken. There is an enemy to be fought here. Suffering and loss and grief. But the enemy will only be defeated by his own suffering. And in all of that, he weeps for what he sees. Because he hates the suffering just as much as you do. But it's where we are. So how do we suffer? What must we do? One author talks about what he calls productive suffering. 
productive suffering, the ability to use hardship to make us better at who we are. He's a secular author, he's a psychologist, and, and, but he makes this example. He says this, no one would ever choose to go through depression, but people who do go through depression are able to be wiser and more realistic about life than those who never feel depressed. He says, those who never feel depressed are often prone to overestimate the amount of control they have over life. But those who have faced depression have a more accurate appraisal about really what lies ahead. The suffering, therefore, was productive in their life. Now, it's not automatic. It's something that we need to work at, something we need to think about. And he writes from a secular perspective as he thinks those thoughts. But you know what? I read that and I thought to myself, doesn't that sound a lot like James chapter 1? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That sounds like productive suffering to me. Suffering can be productive when it humbles you. It can be productive when it brings you to examine yourself and notice maybe there's bad attitudes or wrong assumptions or behaviors that I've been holding on to. Suffering is productive when it causes us to reprioritize the things in our life and truly value what is first and put in lower levels what is lesser. Suffering can be productive when it strengthens our relationship with God and when it causes us to be aware about how we can help others. Paul illustrates that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. As God helps me in the difficulty that I face, I am then positioned to help somebody else. Productive suffering. Tim Keller, in one of his books, uses the imagery of the gymnasium. And he says, when you go to the gym, one of the things that you do is you take off of your, your street clothes and you put on your gym clothes. And when you take off your street clothes and put on your gym clothes, the parts of you that you want to work on in that gym are exposed. You may be able to disguise the pot belly and the flabby thighs due to defensive dressing. You may be able to do that, right? But when you put on your gym clothes, there's no hiding. You know what parts you're there to work on. So it is with life. You can float along in times of ease and not consider the parts that are supposed to be worked on. Not consider character, not consider immaturity, not consider selfishness. But when you enter the gymnasium of suffering, these things are exposed. And God wants you to work there. Now, it's not automatic. Just like you could go to the gym, you could sit in the waiting room, put earbuds in your ear, listen to music for an hour, go home to your family and say, well, I went to the gym. It's not going to do you any good. It's only when you engage the process. It can be productive. So how do we prepare for the suffering that may be coming? We must prepare. We must prepare our minds and we must prepare our hearts. How do we prepare our minds? Here's a few things to think about. In times of relative peace, 
before the suffering comes. We must prepare our minds by diving deep into the Word of God. We must be people of the Word to have a perspective of life that is filtered by the Word of God so that we are not shocked when difficulty comes. Peter says it this way in chapter 4, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. There's something that prepares us in this difficulty, but we must be people of the Word to see it. So, teach your mind now against the prideful lie that says that God must explain everything that happens in your life. That is a lie. He does not owe you an explanation. Do not stand defiantly and say, I want reasons. Teach yourself now to expect that there will be things in your life led by a sovereign God that you will not understand. Be part of your experience. Evelyn Underhill says, if God were small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough to be worshipped. Don't demand an explanation. Teach your mind bathed in the word of God to trust God that he's bigger. Teach your heart right now to prepare your heart. Surround yourself with other people who are deeply in love with God right now. Surround yourself with people who are students of the word and warriors in prayer. Surround yourself with people who will be there when the difficulty comes and not flee. Who will rally to you, not away, so that you can lean on them. Prepare your heart by being part of the people of God and fellowship and relationship. Take some time now as you prepare your heart to notice and be grateful for the blessings that God has already worked in your life. Very often, we take for granted the blessings. We move right past them, always on to the next thing. But if you pause and teach your heart gratitude now, you will be able to trust God. Get your heart used to trusting God through the habit of prayer. Speak to God about your willingness to trust Him even when you do not understand because you must train yourself in that way when hardship comes. Because you don't know what God is doing. You don't know how He will bring out of this difficulty the good that He promises. Remember Joseph, sold into slavery, by his brothers who are acting evil and hatred towards him. He says in chapter 50, when he finally reveals himself to his brother, he said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Right now, before suffering comes, we must choose to trust that God intends things for good in my life. God intends to be on my side. He's not against me. Ponder deeply the sufferings of Jesus so that you can have hope here and forever. And realize that there are times when God is working in ways that we cannot see. I read about British shepherds recently. And the shepherds have a practice. In Britain, before they shear the sheep, the wool of the sheep, they, they periodically bring the sheep to what they call a dipping tank 
Now, a dipping tank is a, a huge tank filled with antiseptic liquid. And they lift up the sheep and they put them in the tank, fully submerged, and then off they go. This is for their good. This antiseptic liquid means that it keeps away the parasites and the disease and so forth. But how do you think the sheep feel about that? Right? They hate it. They fear it. They resist it all the way. But it is good for them and should be trusted. I want you to keep that image in mind the next time you refer to Jesus as the good shepherd. Remember this. Sometimes the good shepherd puts us in dipping tank days for our good. Recall these words. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can trust you. We can't figure it all out. We, it's beyond us. And there are times when all we can do is hold tightly. But Lord, help us to hold. All we can do is pray faithfully. But help us to pray. Help us to cling. Help us, Lord, to follow. Because we recognize that you are always on our side. Your will is always for our good. And for that, we rejoice. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The team is back to lead us in a closing song. Actually, you're going to go sing to us, right? Yeah, well, I was, we were thinking that um, it's kind of a presentation song at the beginning. Um, you've heard it before, probably on the radio, but we'd invite you guys to stand towards the end of the chorus. Um, but we'd like to see if you can just let these words kind of penetrate your soul based upon what Pastor Mark was saying. <clears throat> Chorus basically says, He knows every tear and every pain. He's walked the suffering. And He knows what's going on in your life. And regardless of what that looks like, He has a plan for it. So I hope you enjoy this.
forsaken Every time that you feel alone He's near to the broken hearted Every tear He knows He knows Every hurt and every sting He has walked the suffering He knows He knows Let your burdens come undone Lift your eyes up to the one He knows He knows Every hurt and every sting He has walked the suffering He knows He knows Let your burdens come undone Lift your eyes up to the one who knows He knows just a moment we're going to leave this place but maybe you're here and in your life there is a need for prayer an issue you're facing or a decision maybe for guidance and direction or maybe just to feel the heal from a hurt we have prayer warriors who will wait for you by the table next to the organ they'll pause and you can slip forward and pray with them but first let's all pray together Lord every one of us here has a story all of us have experienced those things which prove to us that this world is not the way it's supposed to be. But thank you, Lord, that not only do you know where we are today, you know where we're going. So help us to look to you. Help us to trust you. And help us, Lord, to be your faithful followers who represent you well. Dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.